Today we're going to start a new series of messages from a book of the Bible. We're going to look at this um, New Testament book named Ephesians. So if you'll turn in your Bible to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to begin in chapter 1, talking about celebrating worship. Celebrating worship. We were made for praise. We were made to praise the Lord our God. We, were, we are created and hardwired by God to worship Him and to glorify Him. And this is where we find our place in the world. This is where we find our identity. This is where we find who we are and who God is and how we relate to the world around us. I want to read verses 1 through 4. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Mac was correct in talking about the 4th of July. Why do we celebrate the 4th of July? We have freedom. We are free to worship God as we please, to establish our own government of the people, by the people, and for the people, as Abraham Lincoln stated in his Gettysburg Address. And so we come together as God's people in this nation, this host nation for the kingdom of God, called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we gather in freedom as well. Our freedom is a freedom from sin. Our freedom is the freedom to live according to the love of God that's been shown to us in the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that we are called to worship Him in that freedom. In that freedom. So worship is a celebration of the freedom that we have in the resurrected Christ. Just as the first commandment says, we are to worship the Lord our God who set us free from the dictatorship and the dominion of Egypt. We have been set free as the people of God. And so we are to celebrate. Yes, if you want to clap your hand, clap. Yes, if you want to raise your hand, raise your hand. Yes, if you want to say amen, say amen. Or if the sermon gets to you, it's okay to say, oh me. Sometimes that's true too. But do celebrate as we worship our risen Savior. Jesus Christ is our Savior and our Lord. But not everybody celebrates in worship. Anybody remember reading Irma Bombeck? Y'all remember that name, Irma Bombeck? Yeah, she was kind of a theologian in herself. She said one time she was at church, and she noticed a little four or five-year-old, kind of like the children we had up here, who was squirming around, and the mom was trying to keep the child quiet, and she was sitting right behind the little fella, and he's just smiling at everybody and waving at everybody while worship service is going on. And the mother said to him, Son, you need to sit down and be quiet and quit smiling. Don't you know we're in church? <laughs> and I think that's how some people view what church ought to be. Now, I'm all about reverence for God. But reverence with joy is what true worship is all about. So let's talk about worship today. I have only two points for this two-hour sermon. And I hope we can get out in time to get on to Jonathan Creek on time. 
And we will baptize right after this worship service. Uh, Samuel and uh, Lane, we're going to baptize you guys, and we're looking forward to that. And there have been children that have made decisions during Vacation Bible School as well that we will be celebrating today. But the first point of our message that we want to notice here in Scripture is that the Apostle Paul was called to bow down and worship the Lord Jesus Christ, and so he calls us to worship him as well. God calls people to worship him through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Look in verse 1, those first few verses there, Paul says, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ by what? The will of God. The will of God. He says, I wasn't ordained at the seminary, but he did attend a theological school under uh, Gamal in, uh, in, in Jerusalem. He was a theological student, but he was in opposition to the very God that had revealed himself to Paul on the road to Damascus. And when Paul was uh, approached there by the risen Christ, he fell on his knees and he said, Lord, who art thou? And the Lord began to speak to him about his call and his purpose for his life. That's what worship really is all about. Worship is God's people bowing before him and acknowledging that he is Lord, that he is King of kings, that he is the God of all the gods of this world that claim to be, and there is no other. And that Christ who sits by the right hand of our Father is our Lord and our Savior by the resurrection power. So God wills that we worship him and we worship him alone. That is the will of God. Folks, he made us that way. We are created beings of God, and so are animals created beings of God, but animals don't worship God. Only human beings worship God. There's something in us that's hardwired to worship our Lord and our God. When I was a college student, we studied in sociology the great the cultures of all the earth, and anthropology will show you that every society, every culture in the world has something to worship. It might be a totem pole, it might be a plant, it might be an image that's carved uh, in the concept of some elusive God, but every culture of the world worships something. We were made that way. There's something about us realizes that we are not in charge of this world, that we didn't just happen to appear, that there is a greater being, that there is a creator somewhere that we are subject to. And so it's innate in our nature that we fall down and we worship something. But Paul warned us, be careful what you worship. He said, if we subject ourselves to the gods of this world, we are subjecting ourselves and worshiping something that leads to death. But if we subject ourselves to the risen Christ, we are obedient unto Him unto life everlasting. We are hardwired for worship. That is our purpose in the world. And until we learn that, we don't know who we are and why we're here. Let me say that again. Until we discover that our purpose in life is to bring glory to God, that our sole mission in life is to bring glory to God, then we miss out on what our life is about, who we are, what our purpose is in this world. We live and breathe and gain knowledge of who we are by worshiping the Lord our God. Psalm chapter 95 says, Come, let us bow down and worship. 
And that's the first thing the Apostle Paul did when he was confronted by the living Christ. He bowed down and he worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture says, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. He is our Creator and we are hardwired to worship Him. Now the word worship or the term worship is a combination of two words. It means worth and ship. Worship. It implies that something is of ultimate value and is to be the object of our adoration, our acknowledgement, our glorification. And so to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God who was raised from the dead by the power of God, He is Lord over death, He is Lord over suffering, He is Lord over sin, He is our Savior, He is our Redeemer, and He is worthy of our worship. Now sometimes we don't get that straight. Sometimes we think God should be um, somehow complimented by the way we worship. That God should somehow be privileged by the fact that we showed up today in the house of God. Well, folks, that's, that's idolatry. Uh, that's, that kind of thinking makes us God, makes us in charge of the world, as if we created ourselves, as if we were the object of what this worship service is all about. We're not here to glorify me. We're not here to uphold me. We are here to glorify the Lord. And everything we do in this act of worship, this experience of worship, and worship is experiential, and it is to be experienced in community, not in isolation or aloneness, but in communion, in community with other people, with other believers. That's why we need each other. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, not to neglect the assembling, assembling, that word assembly is where we get the word ecclesia, or ecclesiastical. It means an assembly, a coming together. There's no greater picture of the church than on Sunday morning when you made your way through that one, one exit and one entrance over there and you watch people get out of their car and begin to come into the house of God. That's the word ecclesia. We are assembling together. That's the New Testament word for church. And so when we assemble, we assemble together to glorify the Lord and to serve Him in this experience called worship. And Paul said, when you get together, do this. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you, and that you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. I know Paul went to Sunday school. I just believe it. Uh, I believe that Paul invite, uh, invented Sunday school. Here it is right here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. That we teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. That's what we do in small group Bible study. We teach and we encourage each other in all wisdom. And then he goes on to say, Then sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. That's what we do in big church. We sing and we praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I wish you'd seen what I saw from the backside of the children singing just now. I saw that happen. One of the children 
and the other child must have been a little nervous. She reached out behind that other child and she kind of patted her on the back as if to say, you're going to be okay. I saw that. You didn't get to see that because it was in the very back. And I just want to say kudos to mom and dad for teaching your child to be an encourager. Folks, that's what worship is really all about. And I saw it take place right here. All Scripture points to God's call for us to worship Him and worship Him alone. Those who worship Him, Jesus said to the woman at the well, must worship Him in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is seeking people to worship Him and to glorify Him. But we have our excuses, don't we? We have our excuses. How many of you heard that old gospel song, Excuses, excuses, you hear them every day. The devil, he'll supply them if from church you stay away. When people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep those folks away from church, he offers them excuses. You ever heard that song? Well, you just heard it now. <laughs> One writer said, when people talk about, I don't have time to worship, Time to worship is made, not found. We all have the same hours in the day. We all have the same hours of the week. We are to worship Him and find the time, make the time to set aside to worship the Lord our God. I know you've heard many a sermon in your lifetime. There was a newspaper dispute going on one time people were writing letters to the editor when someone commented about how often they had been to church and how many sermons that they had heard and that they couldn't remember any of the sermons that had been preached you know I don't either <laughs> and I preach them every week and I can't remember what I said last Sunday either this person wrote in and said I've gone to church for 30 years now said in that time I have heard uh, something like 3,000 sermons. But for the life of me, I can't remember a single one of them. So I think I'm wasting my time and the pastor's time and wasting theirs because they're giving me all these sermons. And then there were more letters to the editor, a lot of debate going on, but it came to an end when somebody wrote these words. I've been married for 30 years now. And in that time, my wife has cooked 32,000 meals. But for the life of me, I cannot recall the entire menu for a single one of those meals. But I do know this. They all nourished me and gave me the strength I needed to do my work. If my wife had not given me these meals, I'd be physically dead today. Likewise, if I had not gone to church for nourishment, I would be spiritually dead today. Folks, worship brings life back into your week. It brings renewal back into your workaday schedule because you are giving yourself and giving yourself and giving yourself all week long to somebody else and for something else. But when you come to church, you're giving it all to the Lord and God is downloading all you need in your heart and in your life. Folks, there really are social benefits by attending worship and being faithful. 
Research has shown that individuals who regularly are involved in worship uh, live seven years longer than those who do not. Anybody here for living seven years longer than the average person? 90% of the residents of Meade County will not be in the house of the Lord today. The other 10% are going to live seven years longer. Research shows that people who are frequently involved in worship and highly value their religious faith have a reduced risk of depression. Studies show that uh, a major review of 99 studies found a correlation between church involvement and greater happiness, life satisfaction, higher morale, and a positive attitude. Studies show that young people who attend religious services and rate religion as um, very important in their life are less likely to engage in risky behavior, such as drunk driving, riding with drunk drivers, driving without a seatbelt, or engaging in interpersonal violence. They are also less likely to smoke tobacco or marijuana or drink heavily. Studies also show that religiously involved students spend more time with homework and work harder in school than other students do. It's good to go to church. And not just attend church, but be active, be a part, be involved, and grow in our participation of the worship of Almighty God. God's calling us to Himself because we need Him. He doesn't need us or have to have us. He wants us. He wants us, and He wants you. And He wants you to glorify Him so He can uh, infill your life and infill your heart with your Holy Spirit as you truly open yourself up to the presence of Almighty God. Now, we go a little further in this passage of Scripture, we notice something else about worship. Not only are we hardwired, not only is it the will of God, not only were we created and made for praise and worship, but he talks here about the blessings that God brings to us through worship. And we list three here in this passage of Scripture. Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, blessed us, blessed us, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. One of the great blessings of worship and exalting and glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ is that we focus on God, not on me anymore. Uh, we come to church, we talk about our ailments, um, I had a Sunday school teacher told me one time, it described the, uh, the prayer time in Sunday school as being an organ recital. Well, yeah, we, we come wanting others to know our aches and our pains. We come wanting to share, hoping, hoping that our burden will be just a little bit lighter if we can just share with somebody else. But when it comes time to worship, it's not about me. And that's what I like about the song that we sang just a moment ago. Lord, it's not about me, it's about you. And I put my focus on the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ who is with, even with two or three, are gathered together in his name. He becomes our focus. And folks, 
you become who you worship. You become who you worship. And one of the reasons that worship is transformational or that we leave the church house changed is that we have truly focused upon the risen Christ. You can just attend church, have no transformation, and go back into the world and repeat the dumb things you did all week, the things that got you in trouble, the things that bring problems into your life, the things that keep you uh, down and the things that keep you uh, uh, subservient to, to Satan and his ways. The old nature before you got saved seems to crop up if you just attend church but don't participate and don't open up to the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's focusing upon Him, focusing upon the risen Savior. Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. We were made for praise. Secondly, a blessing here is that we are able to receive this cleansing presence, this forgiveness of sin, when we are in the presence of the risen Lord. He said, we were chosen in Him to be holy and blameless before Him. Holy and blameless before Him. What that means is we experience the grace of God to give us a cleansing and chart a new course of life so that we don't stay hung up in the old habits of yesterday and the mistakes that we have had in the past. And we're no longer determined or characterized nor as our identity uh, what we did wrong. We are no longer shamed about our history. I often make a trip to Louisiana to restock and purple peas and catfish and all the good things that come out of Mississippi. We used to feel sorry for the folks in Mississippi because we thought they were poorer than us in Louisiana. But anyway, I go down to Mississippi and I get all the peas and, and catfish and then I go see some friends and family in Louisiana. How you doing? And they always bring up about that bicycle thing I did when I was about 12 years old. It's like they can't get over the fact that I rode this bicycle after school and nobody knew where I was and they had the state troopers out looking for me because I didn't answer the phone when mom and dad called. I was home alone and I determined that I was going to go where they were in town. It just took me a long time to get there and they never let me forget it. Hee hee ha ha, shame on you. Well, Satan's the same way. I tell those people, y'all of the devil. Y'all of the devil. But Satan's the same way. He wants to keep reminding you of what you've done wrong. He wants to keep blaming you and shaming you for the history that you have. When we need to understand the grace of God is so abundant, so greater than any sin that we have ever committed in our life, that when we experience the grace and the forgiveness of Almighty God, we are set free from yesterday. We are set free from the bondage, from the shame, from the embarrassment, from the mistakes that we have made. And He gives us the grace to go forward. He gives us the grace to celebrate Him and His power in our life. The forgiveness of our sin. That we would be holy and blameless before God, before Him. One of the beautiful things about being baptized is that it celebrates the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
It is the death of Jesus Christ when he shed his blood on that cross that washes our sins away and forgives us of our sin. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that is our redemption from sin, our freedom from slavery. Now we belong to God. We're a child of God forever. And we live for his glory and we live for his honor. Yesterday is dead. Yesterday is behind us. Yesterday is no more. Tomorrow is a new day that we rise in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified, just as if we had never sinned. That's how we stand before God, just as if we had never sinned. And then he concludes that passage of Scripture talking about uh, the blessed be our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. My prayer is that when you leave, physically walk away from this building today, this experience of worship in the house of God, that you will walk away with a new resiliency. You will walk away with a new courage. You will walk away with a new fortitude. What do I mean by fortitude? Well, fortitude comes to us by God's grace and God's peace in our life. Fortitude is the moral virtue that ensures firmness in difficulty and constancy in the pursuit of the good. That you would leave here and go do good things. That you would leave here and find a resiliency to remain faithful to the moral values of Scripture. You're going to go out into a world that does not celebrate, that does not celebrate Christ. The world that does not celebrate the moral values of Scripture. In fact, it's a world that's hostile to, to the Word of God. It's a world that's hostile to the values of Christ and the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Fortitude strengthens our resolve to resist temptation and overcome these moral obstacles that we face as we leave this place. And so we leave saying what the psalmist says. The Lord is my strength and my song. You know, the Bible never says sing an old song. I hear a lot of people say, why don't we sing the old song? The Bible never says sing an old song. The Bible says sing a new song. But what does it mean by a new song? It means I've had a new experience with the Lord, that God's doing something fresh in my life, that God is transforming me in a way that I want to celebrate and have revival and praise the Lord, and I want to tell everybody else as I get, go out into the world about Him. Jesus said, you have fortitude in me. In the world, you have tri tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So Equin Baptist, we leave here today to go out into the world marching in victory. Our trophy is the cross. Our purpose in life is to glorify the risen Christ. Our home is eternal, and our relationship to God cannot be stolen from us. And that's a lot to celebrate. And look forward to being back together and encourage one another and pat each other on the back a little bit and encourage each other on the next Lord's Day. We give our invitation now. Some of you have prayed to receive Jesus during your during your week and you need to come forward today presenting your decision presenting your uh, decision to, to the church desire to be baptized 
Some of you may want to unite with our church from a sister church. We invite you to come. Uh, some of you may just want to come and pray. You're welcome to do that. But let us all be obedient to the Lord in our decisions during this invitation time. Will you bow with me as we pray? Our Father and our God, we thank you that we can celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we can enjoy the blessing of renewal, the blessing of freedom, the blessing of walking afresh and anew as we leave this place today. We celebrate, Lord, that we've been with friends and, and how good it is to be together in the house of God. Let us not neglect this encouragement of each other. I pray now for those who will make decisions, that they'll have the courage to come forward and say before the church, I gave my life to Jesus this week, or I want to give my life to Christ today. I pray they'll come while we sing this hymn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.